0: What's good about street soccer? You get to express yourself with your skill, and you don't you don't really have to worry about messing up. You know, go out there, show your best skills, and just have a lot of fun.
1: All right. Well, I'm here with Neil Levin, founder, CEO, and nation's leading advocate for street soccer, and we are bringing you episode number one of Play On. Why street soccer? Hey, Neil. Welcome.
0: What's up, Johnny? Thanks, man.
1: Yeah, so tell us a little bit about, uh, let's just start with what what you think is meant by the culture of street soccer.
0: Yeah, so long, long time ago when I was uh, junior high, high school, playing soccer, which was not nearly as big as it is today in the United States, but obviously still big in the world, um, we had uh, on the North Shore of uh, Chicago a kid from uh, South America playing Manny, and Manny was outstanding. And uh, Manny used to tell us, man, we you, people just don't understand soccer. You don't understand that soccer is not a sport. Soccer is a culture. And I had no idea what that shit meant. And for years, had no idea what that meant. And I've been involved in soccer from playing and coaching and reffing and, and uh, kids going through AYSO and uh, club teams and high school. And it really wasn't until recently that I finally figured out that there is a major difference between the sport of soccer and the culture of soccer. And just very succinctly, the culture of soccer really has nothing to do with the sport itself. Uh, The culture of soccer is that for thousands of years, people have figured out the simplicity, the beauty, and uh, the communal aspect of coming together to propel this little object uh, into an opponent's goal. There's no simpler game and yet sometimes more complicated game that turns into what was coined the beautiful game uh, for that reason. And uh, you see it all around the world. You see thousands and millions of people playing this game every single day as part of their daily routine, as, as though they were waking up, brushing their teeth, or waking up and having a meal, or waking up and going to meet with their community to play uh, this, uh, this game. So that's very different than uh, you know being coached when you're two or three and becoming uh, you know a, a great player on your club team and then uh, you know being recruited and, and going to higher levels and etc etc. It's which which abandons the entire communal aspect of this culture that we've seen grow around the world for like I say thousands if not more uh, years.
1: So I think I can guess what you're gonna say a little bit here, but what do you think? You know, given your Background and experience in soccer here and in the Midwest and in the US. What do you think is the current state of soccer in the USA right
0: now? So, you know, there's a bit of a stigma and it's well earned uh, that the US does not compete internationally very well. We've had a tough time making the World Cups. We're definitely improving, I'd say, in more recent years, um, recognizing more and more that we need to change some of our ways. But for a long, long time, since we didn't invent soccer, for a long, long time, we just assumed that if we threw enough money at it, we'd be good at it too, and that abandons the very culture of soccer that I just spoke of. So I think that you know we got off to a bad start, and we turned it into a money sport, a huge, huge, huge money sport, um, and we build expensive fields and limit their access with permits and fees uh, paid only by you know the clubs that have the wherewithal to do so, and and the colleges have the wherewithal to do so, and, and just more money and more money and more money, probably more than most nations ever put into the sport, and yet we can't be great internationally. So, uh, so much of that uh, is attributed to the fact that you know, we coach three-year-olds how to be professional athletes. There's a, an alarming statistic that 75% of youth drop out of sports by the time they're age 12, and the number one reason given is it's not fun. And that comes from this overstructured, overcoached, over whistled, you know, unengaging a model that just completely abandons the connectivity that comes from uh, the culture of soccer. So it's it's not great. And um, I can use a really great anecdotal comparison and that's the girls side. The women, you know, through Title IX got a huge, huge kickstart here in the United States at a time when soccer was illegal in many countries. Uh, For women. And uh, so here we kind of set the tone, and our money did prove valuable because we were able to basically invent women's soccer. But now we see that the rest of the world is catching up and our dominance is waning.
1: I played youth sports myself, raised my kids in some sports, mostly hockey, very expensive sport. I kind of get why hockey costs money. You need to create ice, you need to maintain the ice. There's a lot of gear involved. Soccer, though, it's so simple it's sort of shocking how much these programs cost and at what age people are spending the money on their kids. I mean, that creates all kinds of additional pressure on the kid takes a lot of fun out of it. Is it time to take on the system?
0: Yeah, definitely. It's time to recognize that the greatest footballers or soccer players from around the world will all say the same thing. Ask any of the balloon door winners, you know, the highest honor in all of international soccer, where they learned to play soccer and not one of them will tell you coach X or $23 million sports park, why? They're all going to tell you that they learned on the streets and at a time when they were not coached, at a time they were playing with their friends every day. Why do all the best hockey players from come from Canada? Not because there's something special in the beef or the water, but because they go home every day after school and play on the ponds, unstructured pick-up play. Where the best basketball players in the world come from? They came from the urban centers, uh, the streets of New York, the streets of Chicago, the streets of L.A., Uh, because they went every single day and they would commune and they would play and you learn so much more than the sport which is so essential to be good at a sport you will learn life skills in the streets you learn uh you know if a nine-year-old is playing out there with a 17-year-old you learn skills and the 17-year-old gains just as much as the nine-year-old gains when they play together and when the good play with the bad, and when you know skilled and unskilled, when they all come together to play, everyone gets to be themselves, they get to express themselves, it becomes your own personal art form, and there's no restrictions, there's no coach telling you no, or bad, or don't do this, or telling you to do this a certain way, you're not worried about taking risks, you're not worried about putting yourself out there, and that creates an empowered individual from within, and then the talent is the byproduct of that their skill is a byproduct of that so we have it backwards we are trying to coach the game into our youth before we allow it to form within them as a person and you could see it you if you pare it down and you look at us play internationally you could see the difference in the beauty of the play because it comes from within the person versus what a coach gave you out of a manual or out of even his own or her own experience over the years as being the right way to play.
1: Changing the the way we in the United States approach youth sports is going to be a tall order, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not just that we've monetized it, but the world's a different place. There's a lot of, a lot of things other kids people in general do besides exercise and go outside and things like that.
0: Well, one more anecdote on that, yeah. John is that, you know, clearly you and I similar in age, you know, when we grew up, I distinctly remember, you know, how many days when it was just, you know, meet out front with your buds, and uh, you know, get a bike and build a ramp to jump your bike with, uh, or play on uh, the local playground and and climb the swing sets and jump from the top and and uh, or or go play a sport, uh, stick ball. Three people make a stick ball game, right? You don't need nine people on a team uh, to assemble and play play ball, three people, and you're learning how to bat. You're learning how to pitch. You're learning how to field. Um, you know, same thing with the, the culture of soccer. It could be 2v2, 3v3, 5v5. You and I have gone 1v1 in a pitch before. You, know, you can't do that in a coached program um, and really one of the biggest reasons is the coach is fearful of being fired because there's going to be a soccer mom out there that says, you're not doing enough for my kid if you're just standing there watching them play and encouraging them to do what they're doing. You and I didn't grow up that way, man. You and I grew up being able to be out there and be free and have fun and, and learn and uh, you know uh, from the streets, so we need a paradigm shift here. We need to return to those days and then learn how to harness that greatness at the uh, older levels, and not try and you know, overcoach them, or be so fearful of our million-dollar coaching job at NC two A schools that you know it's win at all costs, and it doesn't, and it just dismisses understanding who the people are. Okay, so clearly, Neil, you're passionate about soccer, and especially street soccer. So why don't you take that lead and tell us about metal sports? Well, I was heading down the wrong path, John. Um, you know, working in uh, the North Shore area of Chicago, we have so much need for space. Uh, soccer, football, lacrosse, even uh, crickets come into town. Rugby. Uh, you know, every weekend is a land grab all through the North Shore of Chicago, and and uh, just a scramble to reserve enough so time. Interrupt
1: real quick and yeah. say that North Shore and need those words don't always go together. <laughs> so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, very true. Well, that's, a, that's another good point, right? We got more money than we could possibly imagine uh, what to do with, and yet we can't solve this little problem of why we can't get everyone playing. And that is that is part of the reason metal was born. Here, I was going to build a thirty-five million dollars sports park with pristine indoor, outdoor, full size fields. Uh, I was going to have uh, you know the requisite player rooms and snack bars, and I was even going to put a four season climbing wall out there. And you know, it's this the Taj Mahal of North Shore Sports Centers on 15 acres, and I and I just stopped. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's just that's ridiculous. You know, you go around the world, this is not where kids play. They don't play in $35 million sports parks. We're the only country in the world that builds $35 million sports parks for five-year-olds. What's wrong with us? And I just stopped. I'm like, there's no way I'm doing this. And I recognize even on the back of a ferry going from the UK to Amsterdam, there was a 3v3 cage. We're playing footy on the back of the ferry. They play everywhere and they play 2v2, 3v3 all around the world, 4v4, 5v5 on anything they can amass as a little stadia and make it your own. And it was so powerful and it was so liberating to play without a coach and a whistle and drills and structure and and registration and zoning and people fighting over what town do you live in because then you're making your team too good. I mean, it's just the bullshit had to stop. And I just, I said, it, it's street soccer. Street soccer is the greatest amenity and activity the world knows because of what it does for the person. So much more than a coach can ever do. And I'm not knocking all coaches. There's some amazing coaches out there doing incredible things. But you know what? We got to just let people play. And the way to do that is, is create amenities where that's all they need to do, show up to play. I'm just tired of seeing people spend millions of dollars building expensive fields and then putting up a sign that says, no playing without permit, and lock the goals up. I mean, those are tax dollars. And we can't play soccer? So Metal Sports was born with the uh, mission of providing greater access to the beautiful game and simplicity of street soccer for everyone.
1: It's incredible to me that, that soccer is, there's so many barriers to entry in the U.S. I mean, around the world, it's every man's game. It's everybody's game. And here you have large populations of people who really don't even know what soccer is, for one thing. Others that know plenty about soccer, say Hispanic, Eastern European, but they they can't make the time commitment, the money commitment to get involved in these clubs and things like that.
0: And they just don't get a chance to play. So that's um, that's the staggering numbers. Uh, Under the U.S. Soccer Federation, which is the governing body for U.S. soccer, and it covers everything from, you know, um, AYSO to the national team program, of which there's only several hundred people, The total number for that organization, the U.S. Soccer Federation, is about three and a half million, depending on how you count it. There's a lot of double counting that goes on. The estimate is that there are over 25 million people who play. And to your point, there's a lot of ethnicity behind that, right? So if you come from Mexico, if you come from South America, if you come from, you know that this is the game you play. And you look for any way possible to play it, but unfortunately, there's just not enough access to it. There's not enough space. If you're in a densely populated urban center, you don't have your own little personal stadia down the end of the block. The only way you're going to get access to it is larger programs, like you said, pay-to-play programs. But even in the programs where you don't have to pay, even the good-hearted souls that put together programs which are free, we don't see kids registering to play. Because, to your point, it comes with a time commitment. It comes with structure. It comes with coaching. It comes with being told what to do. And so, we need to give access to those 25 million people to play. And the upside will be the other 3.5 million who are playing under the national program or the national banner. When they start playing this, they're really going to get good. But that's the byproduct of street soccer, is being good. The primary benefit is the community that it builds. And we as a society need that more than anything. We are not coming together. We are as divisive as we've ever been. And the other day when I'm seeing a bunch of kids who are Muslim playing another bunch of kids who are Hasidic Jews on the same street soccer pitch, I rest my case.
1: (laughs) Well, clearly your passion and frustration come out when you start talking about this. And so I know there's a lot more you have to say. That's why we're here. That's why we're making a podcast. What's What's the plan for the podcast? What do you think?
0: You know, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one that has a lot to say. Yeah, I'm wildly passionate about this, but I know that there's a lot of people that, that get it and there'll be those people who challenge it and there'll be those people who are in uh, the community side of it, uh, those people that are in the soccer side of it, those people uh, who are in the, you know, we, we need people to support what we're doing too, right? So we're all about marrying a variety of stakeholders, whether it's, uh, or not weather but including developers who have land and urban planners and, uh, and the folks in planning development, the folks in parks, all of whom, by the way, just love what we're doing. And we're going to talk about that too, because there's lots of cool ways to roll this out in mass but we also want to hear. Um, we're really good listeners. And it was listening, which is what I did when I was at the back of the ferry and looking at everyone playing 2v2, 3v3 around the world. And I said, you know, I'm listening. This is what we need. We want to hear from people uh on this podcast. We're gonna create ways for people to call in, uh, maybe do some live stuff. We're gonna have some great guest speakers from all different facets, uh, as we talked about. Um and you know, come on, yell, scream, show your passion, uh, whatever side you might uh end up on on the discussion, doesn't matter. We want to hear from everybody. So uh, you know, play on.
1: So before we wrap up this first episode, why don't you talk a little bit about what metal's doing right now, this summer, this fall, what are we doing to move the
0: needle? Yeah, so we figured the fastest way we can get street soccer out to the people is a concept called the Street Soccer Tour. Uh, And this is where we took uh, some really cool street soccer courts, as we call them. They're paneled systems. They look like small ice rinks, but it makes it so the play is fast and inviting. It's fun to walk in, close the gate, and it becomes your little stadia. So we're really big on getting these street soccer pitches out there as the amenity um, that we bring into the urban centers. So the only way to get it out there really, really fast was to throw a bunch of them on a truck and start traveling around Chicago and dropping them in different parks for two, three weeks at a time letting the community use it. We became a partner with the park district where we basically have carte blanche to go to any park in the city uh, and then let the community come out and play and it's free and it's unstructured and it's pickup and it's communal and they create parties and they create gatherings and um, people come out with food. People come out with music. The communities take ownership of the use of this amenity because it is cultural and not the sport. So uh, that's what we're doing. We're getting it out as fast as we can through the tour concept, and then uh, that's going to culminate in a cup where we don't look for the best teams in Chicago necessarily. We don't look for the best uh, you know, players in Chicago. We look for the best neighborhoods in Chicago. So neighborhoods are empowered when they are challenged with the idea of producing their best. So our favorite line is show us what you got and bring it. And play on. And so we're going to have a cup at the uh, end of the year, like we did last year in October, um, where it's neighborhood versus neighborhood to earn the bragging rights best street soccer neighborhood in Chicago.
1: So if you're in Chicago and you're listening to this, get a team together. www.chicagostreetsoccercup.com Free entry, open. It's not age restrictive, gender restrictive. It's open to anybody from anywhere in Chicago. And the dates are October 13th
0: to 16th. Right on. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Johnny. Plan.